And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. We are going to talk Bellator right now, and I've noticed that you have a really big B on your chest. Do you notice that? <laughs> yes, I do. do you know, my boss noticed that, and he noticed that somebody else did it. <laughs> I just want you to know that. And just so you know, he happens to be your boss, too. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, it's so, it's so funny how he told you, but he didn't tell me. What a guy. I just saw him on Monday. What a guy. Uh, I'm going to have to give him a hard time. I'm going to have to give him a hard time. Um, let, let's talk. Let's talk uh, Bellator last night in Thackerville, Oklahoma. Um, what did you think? You know, I only had a chance to watch the main card. Uh, my cable box was down here at the gym. I was teaching. We had open mat, and I was teaching classes too. So I only had a chance to watch the uh, the main card. Um, I wanted. I'm going to go right to the the Salter Van Steenis fight. I wanted more out of Van Steenis. I wanted more. He just he fought like he didn't care. No, he fought like he cared. Sorry, yeah, he, he cared. fought reckless. He fought reckless. Yes. And I was like, he had was, you? He was killing me. Yeah. It's like slow. I, I was trying to say he needs to slow down. Yes. He's overextending. He's giving yep. Salter what he needs to yeah. combat this. And it's like, oh, man, if you were just more in control. And, and I mm -hmm. and I do know part of his training with Gegard Musasi is Gegard is always trying to pull him back and say, you mm -hmm. need to slow down. Because Gegard's that guy you have to wake up yeah. at times. Because it, at times you, you can be in with Gegard and it looks, are you going to follow? The first time I ever refereed <laughs> Gegard, I honest to God thought he might fall asleep while he was fighting. Yeah. He was fighting Babalu, who is a dangerous guy. Yeah. And he was just like, and he would throw shots and then back off and kind of look. And I was like, are, mm -hmm. are you starting to yawn? Because it was like crazy how just, I've never saw his heart rate. I swear to God in that fight, if you had a heart rate monitor on him, it would not a top seventy five. Yeah, it's it's insane to think of how how Gegard even gets through life like with that that low of heartbeat. <laughs> I'm like, do I get any reaction out of you? But look, Van Steenis, you could tell he's young. He, he's, he's, he's young. exactly what I was gonna say. You took the words right out of my mouth. He's he's young, extremely talented, and you know yep. I'm actually probably one of the biggest Van Steenis fans. I, I love the way he fights. I love that he went after it last night. But you, there's certain guys, if you're going to take a step up in competition like you did with Salter, if you're going to fight guys like him and you know he only has this one way of beating you, and that's grinding yep. you out, taking you down, getting to your back, and just kind of holding you in those positions, you got to make it a little bit harder for them to get the takedown. You know I mean? Like he was... I liked how he mixed it up a little bit with the head kick to the flying knee, but you went to the well too many times, and he waited for you to jump the jump in the air, and then he waited for you to kind of come down, caught you on the takedown, and then it just took you down. And I just it just kept it just kept getting to me and getting. To me. I'm like I was yelling at the TV. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me! I'm like, you're you could win this fight, and he just he he made. He, we talk about fight IQ all the time. The fight yep. IQ lacked last night, and I think it was from the inexperience and being young and wanting to put on a show versus yep. wanting to get the win. And that kills me because I just get flashbacks of me fighting in certain guys. I fought Eves Edwards. I was out there like, and not, not to say that he wouldn't have landed that kick, but I was out there showing off. If you watch the fight, I'm trying to show off. I'm trying to throw head. I'm trying to throw the head and arm. I'm trying to like lift him and slam him. I'm doing all like the stuff that you tell your you tell your guys like, look, it's cool if you you're get a big it, brother in him. 
Yeah, you try to big bro. You're yeah. trying to do all those things. You know, you're yeah. trying to show off, and it co- it cost me the fight, and I think it cost him the fight last night. I think you're absolutely right. It, in watching him, I, he was, he is this guy. He's got you know, and, and I kind I tried to say it to the you know the audience. Look, he's mean. He's got this mean streak, mm-hmm. and he wants to do damage to you, and he wants to just overwhelm his opponent. Mm-hmm. He's got that in him, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with it, but it has to be controlled because mm-hmm. it can lead you down the wrong path. Now, if he was fighting another stand-up guy, it's not going to lead him down that wrong path unless he walks into a shot. But when you're fighting a guy in John Salter who is a very good wrestler mm-hmm. and an outstanding jiu-jitsu guy, when you're coming that fast forward, all he's got to do, he doesn't even have to come into you. All he's got to do is drop levels now and you're coming into him, you're meeting that, you're giving him what he wants, and now you're in a position where you're fighting to stop that takedown. When you created the takedown, your opponent didn't create it, you created it with what you're doing. And, you know, Salter, in the third round, if Salter did not get that takedown that he got with, I don't know, probably maybe a minute and 45 or so or two minutes left, he didn't get that takedown. That was going to end up being at least a 10-8 round if Van Stienis doesn't stop him because he was hurting John. Yeah, I know. I was actually wondering if the refs were, or the, the judges were going to give him a 10-8 round for that round. We would have had a draw. you know. But <clears throat> that being said, I want to remind people who John Salter is. John Salter is somebody who actually was on the cusp of beating Lovato Jr. So he, he, was, I, he was right there. He had beat him for the yep. first two rounds, was about two minutes into the third round, lost the takedown. Fight was done, and everyone knows you. If you get taken down by Lovato Junior, odds are fight's gonna you're gonna probably end uh, up losing by submission. Top position. And that's the pretty much guy, that's a, the only guy I've seen survive with Lovato on top is Gegard Mousasi. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and and you can tell Van this last night. He looked almost like when Salter had his back and there was a couple of choke threats. He's like, Nah, I'm good. He just got he, he was able to wig out of that one that was really tight. One was tight. Yeah, it was tight, but he was just fought right out of it, stayed yeah. calm and composed. He has a little bit of that Gegard Musasi in him. Yeah. Like to, to, in those scenarios, which is great. That makes me think that there's a big future for him. Because some guys would panic and just start tapping right away. We saw that in the early years of George St. Pierre with Matt Hughes. Like when you get to the big level, the big stage of fighting top level competition, sometimes you panic and you just tap early. And we saw that in that fight. And this fight last night, we didn't see that. We saw a young, composed young man who trains with top guys who learned how to escape out of a, a shitty situation. He was deep in that rear naked choke and he fought out of it. He, there's a lot of good things he did. Yeah. But the one thing that he didn't do is he didn't just dial it back. He tried too hard to be a showman and it cost him the fight. It cost yeah, him well, everything. It, John Salter actually said when we were talking to him before, he goes, he goes, I know. He goes, if I if I get his back and I'm able to sink in the choke, he goes, I know he's not going to tap. He goes, he's mm-hmm. this is a guy he will never tap. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to put him to sleep. He goes, so sometimes, you know, that's that's really good. He goes, and sometimes it's kind of bad because, you know, you don't you don't set that choke perfectly, and he's willing to grit his way through it, and he doesn't kind of go out. He goes, I mean, you can burn yourself. He goes, and I realize that going into this fight, he's that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yep, and, and he proved that he is because that at one point is time he's still fighting the hands. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. It is time yeah. and maturity in the fight game and understanding when to go forward fast and when to dial it back a little bit and 
make him come a little bit towards me. That's going to make life a little bit harder for him to get where he wants to get. Let me yeah. control. I loved when he jumped right out and went to the center of the cage. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, yeah, you, that's exactly what you need to do. Yep. And then all of a sudden he's, he's going overextending and his back is right. Down. I go, you just put yourself where yeah. you didn't <clears throat> want to be. You yeah. created it. He didn't. Yeah, there and was a couple times where Salter's back was to the fence and he was putting pressure and Salter circled out and put his and that putting Van Stenis's back to the fence. And yep. instead of moving out and circling back to the middle, he stayed there and tried to fight there. And I was and then, then he ended up getting his back pushed to the fence. Salter yep. was able to wear on him a little bit, sometimes got the takedown, sometimes didn't. But those that's fight IQ and your corners need to be yelling to you. Those are things you should have had conversations, and I always go back to the corners because I kind of blame them a little bit as well. You got to be on your fighter. Circle, get your back off the fence. You know what the game plan was before we came in here, especially against John Salter. Keep your back off the fence. There's that black line that goes around, or there's like that loop around the edge. Stay yep. on the inside of that. Don't go to the outside. And so That's those it. are those are things that those that those the coaches and trainers and the, the fighters should have talked about previously for this fight. Or if your back foot hits that, you feel it hit that cage or that pad, you know I've exactly. got to as soon as I feel it, I circle. I am not staying. I will not stay here. I've got to circle out. I've got to move. I gotta create something. Yep. Yeah, I, I yeah, I agree. I think that's those are things that he little little adjustments he needs to make, and that just comes with more experience and then fighting guys with a higher IQ, a fighter IQ, and he'll learn. Yep. And I, I was like I said, I was impressed by the escape from the submission, the calmness, the composure of being in those shitty positions. I would like to see a little bit more intensity on getting up because there was moments where he could have stood up in some scenarios and he just kind of hung out there. I'm like. You're carrying this guy's weight for that long. Get up. Always trying to get up. Always. And that's just me being like a, a I don't want to say a trainer. <laughs> I'm not a trainer, but I'm like, just like, get up. I mean, just uh, the, a fighter. Just the fighter in me. Just, you know, and I had, wanted to see him win. You had to really like it. There's one thing when you're watching Salter. Salter does things on the ground. He is forcing you into the area that he wants yep. you to go. He's giving you that one direction. And he's going, yeah, there it is. You, you can take it. Go ahead and take it. Yeah. And and at certain points, I'm looking at Van Stenis and I'm going, he's forcing him there. And then Van Stenis turns the other way and just, you know, you look and go, mm -hmm. all right, you understood. Yeah. You know, you can't go there. And he's got that point where he understands the fight game. Yeah. He just has to control his emotions and control that desire to go out and do this spectacular thing mm -hmm. into – that spectacular thing will come when you do the right things. I agree. I agree. Yeah, Salter, uh, he's very good. He does he does everything very well. His stand-up needs a little bit of work, but I think he knows what he is. You know, um, there's yeah. certain guys that they just know what they are. Damian yeah. Maya, he's always known. I'm the jiu-jitsu guy. Sure, I'm going to learn a bit of stand-up, but I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. Jake Shills, yep. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy. I'm not trying to be a kickboxer. You know, and yeah. they find ways and things that work for them on the feet to help get the fight to the ground. I think that's Salter. Salter's always been that way. He's got good wrestling, good jiu-jitsu, good control. Uh, and, uh, you, and anyone that fights him needs to game plan specifically for that. Back off the fence, getting back to their feet, fighting the hands. Those are all things that trainers should be telling and focusing on throughout the camp as well as during the fight you know and i, I think uh there need, there could have been a little couple more adjustments throughout the fight but that's coach trainer stuff not mine yeah so, you know uh what other fights on that car that you were impressed with well you got to be impressed andrew capel coming in was given an opportunity most people were saying oh this was a gimme fight yeah for king mo to go out with a win and 
I, you know, I, I had refereed Andrew eh, probably four or five, maybe four years ago. And I knew, first off, he's very good on the ground. He's got really good kicks. His punching power is okay. It's not bad. You know, the, the, the area where he is, I would say, lacking is his wrestling ability. You know, he's good on the ground with his jujitsu. Mm-hmm. His stand-up is good. That wrestling area is where you look and you always say, this is where you really need to build. But going into this against King Mo, you know, and, and he talked about it. He goes, I don't think King Mo is going to really try to, he goes, I know he can out-wrestle me. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, that's, anybody's going to pick that out. He goes, but I really don't think he's going to try to wrestle me. I think King Mo likes to stand up. And if he wants to get in a stand-up battle with me, he goes, I like my chances. And, and I was really impressed with, he's going, hey, this is my chance. He goes, every now and then in your life, someone throws you something that becomes an opportunity and it's what you do with that opportunity that's going to determine the rest of your life he goes and i am going to make the most of this opportunity and i was like hey that's you got the right attitude that's great and king mo going into the fight was very you know hey i am going to use my wrestling i'm going to take him down and i am going to pound on him and you know the things that are happening he just mo likes to stand up and throw his hands Mm -hmm. And his hands are low, and and the shot that he got hit with, there's a certain thing I I don't know why I've seen King Mo hit with some big shots mm-hmm. and survive, but when he gets hit with certain shots in a certain area of his chin, mm-hmm. it just shuts him down. You know, same as Emmanuel Newton did the spinning mm-hmm. yep. back fist, yep. and the forearm hit that part and just froze him, and he got frozen in that same manner yeah. with that right hand in this fight, and so. I really felt bad for Mo in the fact that I really I love the guy as far as what he's done in the sport. I love his attitude towards the sport because yeah. he is a fighter through and through. The guy is you know, he will not back down from anybody. He has had a great career. You look at some of his fights that he's had and who he fought. He never backed down from anyone at any weight, any place. It didn't matter. It was all about you pay me, I'll be there. And yep. That's what a prize fighter does. And I would have liked to have seen him at least be able to walk away with the win. Although I am happy for Andrew and the fact that, you know what, here's a guy that was given that opportunity and he grabbed a hold of it and made the most of it. So it's a good story. You know, that way it's a sad story for Mo that he didn't get that win, but it's okay. You had a phenomenal career. Everyone knows who you are and he's a great trainer. And he's got that sitting there for him if he wants it. You know, AT and ATT loves him. Those guys love him. He does great work with them. Let's <clears throat> let's see the champions that you create. Yeah. I mean, I have a connection with King Mo that's just it's a different connection, man. And he's uh I swear, like he, for years he's always just reached I, I didn't even really like know him a whole while like really well early in my career. But he was, when I first met him, it was like he was a big fan, but he was also just a great person to be around. And, yep. uh, you know, and nothing, to, I'm not going to say a whole lot about Andrew. I thought he fought a good fight. You know, it just, he did. it just comes down to with King Mo, a lot of what I want to talk about is he, people don't understand how much he's done for the sport without really being, without being the guy in the UFC. You know, like he's not the guy that had to be in the Never UFC. Never went. Never, never went, went there. Never cared if he went, and it had nothing to do with the fact that that he was not that he was not ever not good enough to get. He could have went anytime he wanted to. He just chose to always do things differently, and I do it love, his way. I love and respect that about him. I love and respect <laughs> everything he's ever done. Like 
his early fights in 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 Pride back in the day, and then our uh, Dream and when he had Dream. fights, yeah, Dream when he had fights in Dream, and then also too when he was at AK for a while, had some fights with us. He's just man. <clears throat> I'm gonna tell this story. I was watching him, and I was I was like Trevor Pranglin was getting ready for uh the for the the. Was it the 205? 185 pound tournament for Strike Force. And King Mo had first came and King Mo and him were training. And I was like, I was like, oh, I, you you watch King Mo walk into the room. It's like he's limping. It, like, hey, this, dude, this guy's, that's all he does. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's like a 30 year old and like he's a 90, 90 year old man's body. Oh, I'm like, how is this guy going to spar Trevor? And I knew him. We were friends. I'm like, man, how are you? Are you all right? I mean, I had never seen anyone out wrestle Trevor Prangley the way I saw that. They got into some exchanges and some, and like it, he foot swept him, tripped him, hip tossed him. And I'm like, and Trevor's in fight shape. And King Mo was like, he was just there hanging out. Like, I'm like, oh, sure, I'll give you some rounds. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is, I, it was, it was, it was almost borderline, like, I don't want to say embarrassing, but it was close. It was, it was borderline like, wrong. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, man. And, and you got to, for me, people have to remember like Trevor was an Olympic alternate for South Africa on the Olympic team. Like he came over, he's got good like freestyle wrestling, you know, good judo sambo type style, like takedowns and foot sweeps. But he got, he, King Mo manhandled him in that sparring match. Yeah. And I it just, it was a whole different eye opening experience. And when, when I talk about King Mo, I have to kind of relate him a little bit too with Dale Cormier because the two of them are so close together and they both wrestled at Oklahoma State. But it's just funny to hear like them talking about pro wrestling. Like we were talking about their big WWE fans. They'd like throw back all the way to WWF. And you talked about his, his whole relationship with ATT. You guys have to understand he is so smart with him when they talk about fighter iq he has got it oh yeah he, he has got it. that guy would call me anytime and be like i have a fight coming up and he's like hey this is something you you know you should have worked you should work on you know you got four weeks till the fight you could try to fit it in there i'm telling you right now he's subject to this he's subject to this and almost every time i would use what he did when he told me i would use it and not maybe to the extent he wanted me to use it but i would still <laughs> use it and almost every time it worked you know, I mean, and that's the kind of guy he was. He'd randomly just hit me up, text me, hey, man, he's the guy's good, he's this, you know, it's going to be a tough fight, but you got this, you got this. He, I would try to use this and this and this. And it's nice for guys that, you know, like I was never super, like I didn't get really close with him until he came to AK, but even before then he was texting me, hey, man, big fan, like, you know, you, you're, you, I love watching you fight. Yeah, that, he would talk to me about shit I did like in some of my very first fights, that Superman punch to the double leg, dude, that's the sickest shit i ever seen. That lets you know that he breaks down fights. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like he sees everything and I just, as if I was somebody going to A2T and training there, I would think to myself, come here, you're the guy I want to latch on to. Give me all the little tidbits that you think might work for me and you can pick and choose my brain and like let me know exactly where you think I should go with my career and, and how I should do things. And I, that's what I've always respected about him. Uh, his ability to break down opponents, break down fights, because a lot of a lot of fighters can't do that. No. Nope. I'm just being straight out honest. I, I've listened to fighters go, oh, well, he's good here. And it's like, you don't see where he's good. Mm. You know, And they have a... A lot of them have a trainer that will do that and break it down and then say, this, this is this is what we want to do. You know, King Mo was always the guy on his own. He broke down fights and he knew. He picked out exactly where your weakness was, where he could exploit it. Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways, the, his his biggest downfall was he liked to fight and then sometimes didn't fight 
a smart fight based upon I want to stand up and I'm going to show you that I can I can knock you out. Because yeah. he loved to throw his hands. For a guy that wrestled, he yeah. just used that wrestling for the most part as a decoy. He liked to stand up and throw his hands very much like Ed Ruth. Yep. Ed Ruth is following the entire game plan that, that King Mo has created a career on. And uh yeah. you know, he's he's just he's an exceptional fighter. He was an exceptional human being. Yep. And you know I I don't I, I'm saying that and it almost sounds like, you know, we're losing him. We're not. No. He's gonna be he's gonna be yeah. part of the sport and you know, I hope he's able to just take this and say, Okay, it's done. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried on that last one, it didn't work. Yeah. It's no big deal. It's not gonna really it's not gonna it's not gonna say anything about who I was and what I did. Yeah. No, I agree. It's funny that you brought up Ed Ruth because I actually been tr- making that comparison for years now. Because they yeah. both kind of they both kind of walk the same. Like Ed, if you watch Ed walk, it looks like he's like a, trapped in a seventy year old's body, like kind of yeah. a little hunched over, kind of his hips are out a little bit. Looks like he doesn't really straighten his legs when he walks. I'm like, bro, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. But like cat like reflexes, good wrestling, and just nasty, nasty. They're good. I mean, both of them are extremely good. Um, Tyrell Fortune. God damn, he's good. <laughs> oh. And getting better. Wow. I mean, this was... We've had this conversation before about him. The only thing that can I think that, that can beat him or derail him is him. Yep. His, his mindset. His his mentality, Um, I think, will be the only thing that derails him. There's that, and then two is sometimes... The killer instinct isn't there. He had he had hit a, his opponent a couple times last night where he kind of put him back on his heels and he could have tried to land one or two more, but he stepped back and maybe you got more insight on it because you were there for fight week. But I felt like he was real hesitant when he didn't need to be as hesitant as he was. I I talked with Tyrell extensively throughout the week and you know, I love I love that guy. I know you do. He is a great person. He is a student of the sport of MMA. This is a guy coming in with that wrestling background, and I did his first fight, mm. you know, and he was a wrestler. He, he was shooting for takedowns from 10 feet away. He's <laughs> like, I don't want to be part of this whole stand-up yeah. stuff. Screw that. Let me get this fight where I feel comfortable. And he has transformed himself into a complete mixed martial artist who has got great wrestling, his submissions, he knows all the different submissions now that are going to work for him. He's not going to be a guy pulling off a flying arm bar. Yeah. Okay, that's not going to happen, but he is the guy with certain chokes. He's there. He knows exactly when to go after it, and his stand-up game has gotten so big because I always watch a guy's footwork, and I watch the way he moves, and especially with heavyweights. Heavyweights are plodding fighters for the most part, mm-hmm. and he's not, and and. I'm watching this fight coming out, and you know he knew exactly what, you know Anyan Wu is good at. He's, just, you know, he talked about it. And he says he's got a big overhand right. He says he goes, if I walk into his overhand right, it's my fault. I'm an idiot. Mm-hmm. He goes, but he was, he's very much into. He likes to be a technician of the sport when he's fighting. And he came out and he and he told me again, you know, in the his last fight against Rudy Shafroth, he said, first thing he said to me was, he goes, John, he goes. I guarantee you he's going to see the second round. He goes, I'm going to make him see the second round. He goes, if I get on top of him, I'm going to, I'm not going to finish him because I want him to see the second round. I go, what do you mean you're not going to finish him? And he goes, he's a guy that has never seen the second round. And 
I want him to see it because I want him to realize, oh, my God, I've got to go back out there, and mm-hmm. now there's more time. And he goes, and mentally, that's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. And he said, he goes, and I'm not going to – he says, I won't be finishing him with punches. He goes, I may get him down with a punch. He goes, but I'm going to finish him with a submission. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, all right, we'll see. Sure enough, puts him, goes through the first round, gets him to the second round, puts him down with a punch, and rear naked chokes, and you go – God damn, you're a prophet. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just called it. It was like it was like Babe Ruth with the home run shot called his fight. And in this fight, he said, he goes, he goes, I, he goes, definitely going to see the second round. He goes, because I, I want to go out and I want to just feel his pace and I want to see his setups. He goes, and you're going to see me. He says, I'm, I'm going to kind of give, you know, give some room to him. He's going to feel kind of confident stalking me a little bit. He goes, but all that is me just seeing where his footwork is and where he sets himself up and how he steps to throw that right hand. He goes, and as soon as I'm comfortable with it, you're going to see me. I'm going to start to pressure him. He goes, because you'll know as soon as I'm pressuring him, I'm comfortable. And I said, all right. And he did exactly what he said. You know, exactly the T. And the the one thing is he's seeing things. And you're seeing him with his feints. And you see that little shake and bake that he'll give off of it and then he'll move himself he'll circle out and he understands how to move he doesn't lean it's one of the things i hate when guys get into this whole lean back and it's like Mm. no move yourself with your feet not just your upper body because when your feet are set and now you lean there's nowhere else to go so that guy now moves forward now you're in real trouble because fundamentally you did something wrong you can't do that against a good fighter and Trevor Lally has done a beautiful job with getting Tyrell to understand footwork. His footwork is fantastic, and that's why he's going to be a fighter in this sport and someone to deal with for a long time. Yeah. That eight and is going to end up going to the, you know, eleven and O's, twelve and O's, and he's finally going to get a yeah. shot. Now the problem for him right now is. <laughs> His main training partner is Ryan Bader. Ryan Bader. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so, you know, but he's comfortable with it, you know, and he talks about training with Bader. He loves it. And he loves the fact that, you know, Bader can do stuff to him. He says, but then I learn it. And then I can do it back to him. He goes, this is all a learning game. And the, the last thing that I'll say on him is mm-hmm. he talks about, John, this is what I do. This mm-hmm. is, this is, he goes, I'm in the gym every day. Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't, do anything else i train i eat right i i watch tape on guys he goes i am very selfish right now as far as getting to be who i want to be in this sport because his brother was fighting yeah you know earlier on in the evening against a guy from aka chuck campbell yep and i said you know i said what are you are, are you are you going to be helping your brother he goes right now i can't he goes i've talked to him about it but he doesn't want to listen and i don't have the time no to spend on him if he's not going to listen to me and I, was, I, he, he has got a path. He has got that road that he knows is going to get him where he wants to be, and he is focused on it. And that's why I know he is going to be a player in this game for a long time. Yeah, when you when you talk about fighters being um, selfish, this sport they need to be selfish. You know, yeah. boxing, MMA. Um, anytime you're in a combative sport, and I think if you want to be one of the best athletes in the world, Jordan, uh, you know, Kobe, uh, Tiger Woods, you have to be selfish. You have to be selfish that you are the priority. Your technique and your training and your diet and nutrition, everything is selfish. It's all catered around you. If you guys have families at home, 
You don't need to eat what they eat. They can have pasta. You got to have this. This is what you yep. need to eat. You need to be selfish. It is a selfish sport, unfortunately. But if you want to be the best, it has to do. You have to make sure that you're spending time growing your athleticism, your food, like whatever it is you're doing. You're making sure that it's spent, make developing your future in the future well, you're, in this you're, sport. You're, you're building your platform. You're building. Yep. You're building your foundation because if your foundation sucks. The rest is going to suck. You got to yeah. have that foundation. And that foundation starts off with being someone that is dedicated to doing things the right way. What he I is. liked, what I liked about his fight is that he was stalking after his opponent slowly. Okay. He was trying to cut off the ring because his opponent was circling pretty well, back and forth, back and forth, throwing one big shot and circling out. But what I liked is that he always had a defensive position. His hands were always up. He never once like dropped his hands, started doing any of the, you know, moving. He stayed very defensive, but very on track, on task of whatever the performance that he needed to put on. He needed to follow the game plan. It looks like he did it to the T, you know, and from what you're telling us is exactly what he had in mind is like, look, I'm going to let him, I'm going to see, figure out his footwork. I'm going to see exactly what he's doing and, and, and figure him out. And then I'm going to land and, get him out of there and he did exactly what he needed to do and i liked how he took his time he didn't rush there was opportunities i felt like that he had landed some clean shots but he yeah. didn't he didn't go for the killer instinct and that no. that's a little concerning to me but that's but something a lot that of kinda, that, that's kind of like that thing with costello van Stinas. yeah i now against Yanwu, i understand what you're saying as far there's as there's no takedown risk really exactly exactly but i want you to be that guy that okay, I hurt you. I'm I'm just gonna keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And instead of rushing in, in that moment, hey, you got time. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I really was impressed by his performance. Every time he fights, he is getting better. And when yeah. you you watch a guy that he's getting that much better with every fight, you know, it's impressive to watch. What's next for him? You think? Man, I'll tell you, you know, you, you take a look, and I, I really think that they've got to put him in in that fight, you know. I, Mitrione? You know, I, Mitrione would be somebody. Roy Nelson Javi would Ayala. be somebody. Javi, Javi Ayala. Ayala would be somebody. Czech Congo would be somebody. These are the guys, right now, he's ready for him. Now, it is that step up, and it's that step up into that next level of fighter that you know the guy like a Roy Nelson he's got a lot of experience he's got a lot mm -hmm. of knowledge he knows he knows how to set you up and create traps for you and he's going to see a lot of the traps that you're setting so all those things aren't going to work in that level but yeah that's the I think he is ready for that step that's where he needs to go yeah I think out of those guys though <coughs> Matt Mitchell is probably the toughest fight for him because the speed oh, yeah. the length the range and he's yeah, gonna, He's gonna have a hard time getting it on the on the on the wrestling with him. Uh, he's I, good. You know, I'm not saying he can't take him down. The, I'm simply saying he's gonna. You, you you watch what Bader did with the wrestling aspect mm -hmm. of Matt, and tell me who's a better wrestler, Bader or Fortune? Fortune. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying that there's a huge difference, but yeah. you know. Yeah, but you're and also so, talking. You're also talking about the experience of Ryan Bader on how to get in there and how to actually hold true. the takedown. And you're absolutely right against tougher guys and top guys. And let's not be let, let's be real. Matt Mitrione is extremely athletic, but he's really long, tall, and lanky. So him, if you're not good at controlling that position, we've seen it with Ed Ruth. Ed Ruth's probably the better wrestler out of all of them, 
right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but then Ed had a hard time keeping someone down who probably never wrestled a day in his life in, in Jackson. So, it, it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just being real. Well, the inexperience, being... the inexperience of holding someone down doesn't mean just because you're getting better and you're training with someone who's better and you're a better wrestler doesn't mean you can hold someone down. Well, you're absolutely right. And when I say who's the better wrestler, I believe that Tyrell Fortune, when it comes to takedowns, mm -hmm. will take somebody down more times than Bader, Bader. will. Gotcha. I but I do saying. believe, but I do believe that Bader is actually one of the best I've ever seen. And I know exactly what he does at keeping someone on the ground. He mm -hmm. understands how to take away posts, how to take away the legs and turk the legs. Nurmagomedov is one of the very, he is probably the best Habib. at keeping someone on the gr ground because when he's letting, when guys are getting up, many times he's allowing them to get mm -hmm. up. But Khabib, when he wants to keep someone down, he's so good at controlling yep. those posts and those legs, but Bader is right there with him. Mm -hmm. Bader's outstanding at it. And uh, that's the difference, if I was going to say, you know, wrestling-wise, Fortune's got the takedown ability. Bader's got the keep-down ability. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense you put it in that way. Um, what else? What other fights on that card did you were you... Well, with Leslie Smith and Blenko was uh, the other fight that yeah. was on the main card. And I thought Arlene Blenko just showed what someone that has good technical boxing skills and good hands, mm -hmm. throwing straight punches. I know Leslie felt that she won the fight. And I actually I gave her the first round based upon I thought she landed a really good spinning elbow attack. She, uh, she was hitting Blenko, and Blenko was having a hard time, couldn't keep her off, couldn't deal with the pressure, but then figured out, okay, pressure-wise, she comes into me. I've got to create this jab that is going to come out and touch her every time she breaks that plane of that comfort zone. She steps inside to put more pressure. I'm going to pop her. And I thought just the game plan of use that jab because a jab is an effective weapon if you're using it the right way, especially when you have someone that really, Leslie wasn't really trying to take her down. She tried to create clinches for dirty boxing and things like that. But Blenko's jab, that was the difference in that fight. I know Leslie was as tough as ever, but she got hit with that jab repeatedly, and that thing was just a volume-scoring machine for Blenko. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Leslie just needed to, she needed to mix up the game plan a little bit more. And I heard, yeah. Gil, and I heard Gil get in the conversation a little bit, saying, like, you know, press her to the fence, you know, dirty boxer. You know, not so much threatening the takedown, but I would have liked to have seen her drop down on the legs. Even if she wasn't going to get the takedown, drop down on the legs, try and pull her away from the fence, maybe come back up to the clinch. Little things that, like, makes the opponent think about it all the time. Those, yeah. are things, those are things that will open up other areas that you can exploit later on in the fight. Yeah, um, I mean, just to, just even going after, and like, you're going to knee tap or yeah. anything like that, it's like that at least makes them think, oh, they're thinking about a takedown. I have to, I have to worry about it. Good. Yep. Worry about it. I'm not, you know, Something in my head, it might not be even a thought pattern, but if it's a thought pattern in your head, that's a good thing for me. Yeah. The other thing though, too, is Leslie's just came over. So this is what her second fight now with, with Bellator, you yep. know, it really just comes down to, we saw it with Benson Henderson and we've seen it with some of the other guys. There's that little hangover of when they come. 
You know, and I think anytime you get into a new promotion, it's like well, you, you had to do that. Yeah, but you, you had don't, to do that multiple times. But you don't know these guys. Like that's the thing. Like when you're like when you were in the UFC, those UFC guys. When Strikeforce all came over, everyone's like, "Yeah, we're gonna smash these cans." You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm just I'm just being a hundred percent. Like these guys, well, are like, that, yeah, sure, we'll fight these guys. That definitely happened. Yeah, yeah, that worked well, maybe out not. really well. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it just was one of those things where. That when you're in the UFC, I don't. I feel like they don't always watch the like Bellator. They don't watch one. They're like, oh, I'm in the UFC. I don't need to watch those promotions. And That's then when true. those fighters, when they if they if they end up leaving and going to Bellator, they're like, oh, I'll be fine, no big deal. They take for granted that all these athletes are just as good, you know. And then you got to remember, you're fighting them now in your home turf, in their home turf. They feel comfortable in that Bellator Com- cage, comfort zone. They, yep. They feel comfortable with with the new staff that's in the back yelling at them down the hall. Okay, it's go time. You know, you guys line up, get on. You know, like those. It's it's everything is new. You're used to if you're used to someone like you know back in the day it was Burt Watson in the back yelling and screaming. You know, let's roll. Yeah, yeah, we yep. rolling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you have someone like him who you were comfortable with, you know, and then now you go to another promotion and guys and that's not there. It's like, all right, this is this is different. It's just different. And, it is. And, it and, is. It it's something you have to actually work yourself through yeah. to gain that level of comfort to where mm-hmm. I'm good. You know, because when I had left, like the UFC, when I went to the when I was at the UFC, we used to do. They kind of did the walkouts from the locker room, and then but then when it was uh, when I went back to Bellator, we did the stage walk down. So they loaded us uh, loaded us in the loading area, and then we walked down the big ramp, and it was like. Yeah. It's just different. You have to find different areas of yourself to like, okay, look, now it's go time. Now it's like you're finding that schedule, you know, and um, and it's hard when your your emotions are up and down as it is already. You never you never did the the ramp walk in the UFC, did you? Mm, no. No, I don't think so. No. They they had taken it away because you know that it started off like BJ Penn. Yes. UFC, UFC 31 yep. runs down that ramp. You know, mm-hmm. Tito can walk down the ramp. They had that ramp for a while and you know they they can sit there and say why they got rid of it, but you know, then they oh, we're, we're going to go towards the boxing type of uh yeah, you, I love I love the ramp. Whether it's in Pride, whether it's in Strike Force, whether it's in Bellator, whether it was in the UFC, I understand it does take seats away. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to sell seats, it's a problem for that. But, you know, I love the ramp because I, I think it, it isolates the fighter mm-hmm. and it it centralizes the attention on the fighter, which is always a good thing. Yeah. I love I love when you have stuff in the background because this is entertainment. Yeah. And it's about, at this moment, you know, taking and capturing this fighter is special. And I want you to see what's special about them and having, you know, highlights behind them or just, you know, whatever it is, you know, their name up there and things that they've done. I think it just, you know, it it just emphasizes the importance of that fighter at this moment. Yeah, like they, mu- they must have got rid of the ramp right before I fought because I was signed. Yeah. I got signed by them at UFC 32 or 34 or something like that. And then I, I, it, I actually was the long, I think I'm probably still the longest fighter who signed the contract and didn't fight for like another year and a half. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a while. I was, I was going through some injuries and some personal issues at the time. Anyways, um, but then they use it for Vendetta, which is UFC 40. Yeah, but then I fought UFC 44, so yeah, it's gone. I, yes, it was gone. So I, they must have lost. And then 42 was Sean Shirk and and Matt Hughes in Miami, right? Yep. So yeah, 40, 41 was at Mohegan Sun. 42 was in Miami. 43 was in Vegas at the Thomas and Mac. 
Yeah. And then 44 was Tito and Randy Couture for the light heavyweight title. Yeah. That's the first so time then you they, fought. They must have got rid of it then at like, did they use it for Sean Strickland? I don't think they did. That was the American no. Airlines Arena. They didn't no. use it for that. So UFC 40, 40, I'm 41. close, close. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the two. That was about it. 40, 41 was probably, I think probably then I, I would imagine what happened was they did really well with UFC 40 and they're like, we need more seats. So let's scrap the ramp and because that was Tito and uh, Ken Shamrock. Tito and Ken Shamrock. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I was. Yep, yep. That was uh, that was good. That was a great night that night. That's the arena, and oh. the feel. It was it was awesome. Yeah. That was that, that was that was the night that I actually standing there because my entire time from UFC one to UFC forty, I was always like, "Is this the last one? Is this the one that's going to be it?" And that was the one where I finally looked around. I said, no matter what, it's going to make it. Yeah. It's going to make it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Good moment. All right. So Bellator, Thackerville, that's kind of like the wrap on that, you know. And um, couple, A couple things let me talk about. <clears throat> okay. We did have, and it was predictable, but Christian Edwards is a guy nobody knows. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't is, know. I don't know him, he, so. He is a light heavyweight. He trains with John Jones. He trains at Jackson Wink. Mm -hmm. uh, he's actually one of John's uh, sparring partners. You know, most of the time when he's in the gym, he's the first recipient. Jackson Wink came up with this uh, scholarship program where they bring a fighter, you know, in because he, he's from Iowa. Uh, brought him in, and he lives at the gym basically. You know, he makes a little bit of money to spend on you know stuff that he needs and stuff, but his his you know board is paid for and stuff and he is now this was his second fight with bellator he had missed his first fight not on his fault his opponent had come in 20 pounds overweight oh, 22 geez. pounds overweight yeah ridiculous. you didn't even you didn't even fucking try 20 oh, pounds no, overweight. Not, not even close go ahead second second opponent comes in he just you know dispatches him for his first pro win and this was his second pro fight and you know they they had to change opponents on him again Ugh. because well, everyone is seeing everyone's coming in. They're going, uh Oh, this guy is good. And I'm telling you, Josh, stand by. This guy doesn't look like anything as far as he's tall and lanky. He looks very much as far as the build similar mm -hmm. to John, but John even looks more muscular than uh wow. Chris Christian. But this guy can fight this guy. He ended up with a 16 second knockout left, wow. left kick to the head. Just starched him. It was it was on ESPN. Oh wow! Th this guy is gonna be something special. He is good. Oh, I did. And I did see. I did see the ESPN uh, highlight. Ah, there you kick. go. I did. That's Christian Edwards. Yes. Yeah. His his opponent went uh, was backing up, and he put the yep. hand down low, and his body just went stiff. Yep. And, oh. Ooh, that was nasty. As soon as, it, as, soon as I mean, because it sounded like a you know a, a shot going out of the park. As soon as he hit us, that fight's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is like, oh, my God, he killed him. Done. Yeah. Done. He was out for a while, too, man. Oh, I mean, man. he was out. Uh, I, hate so. to see, I hate to see. I like to see the knockouts, but I hate to see exactly. the, the I, aftermath. I, I, I like seeing the knockout, and I hate the result, and I hate yeah. you know seeing the guy on the ground. But this was very similar to Gregor Gillespie and Kevin, Kevin Lee. Lee. Just a repeat of it. Give me okay, so I'm gonna be a little bit of a homer guy, so bear with me. I'm an AKA guy. So talk <laughs> talk to me about my AKA boys. How'd they do? I didn't get a chance to see their fights. I saw some highlights and clips of the Crutch fight, Kyle Crutchman fight, and then Romero, yep. um Romero Cotton's fight. I didn't get to see any of Chuck's fight, Chuck Campbell's fight. I didn't get to see any of that. 
Um, give me give me some feedback on my boys. All right, let, let, let's go first. Romero Cotton. Romero Cotton is fighting a guy who's actually a really good submission guy. We know Romero is super strong, athletic, good wrestler. Yeah. Romero comes out, actually takes him down, and I thought it was a mistake. I thought he should gain a little bit more of time and utilize the stand-up and gain some sweat, make yeah. yourself a little bit slippery so you don't get caught in that. But he takes him down, just kind of mauls him a little bit, and they get back up, and Romero comes into him again to take him down, and the guy actually said he hurt his knee and, and quit in the fight. And Wow. You know, but it was... As far as the performance by Romero Cotton, he was looking good. Good. He was doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Uh, Crutchmer comes in. He has a last-minute opponent change. Yeah. And the guy doesn't make weight. He uh, big as far as name's Robert Gidron. He comes in at 175 instead of making the 170. But they do the fight. Crutchmer, obviously the better wrestler, but in this fight shows that he does not right at this moment have the skills necessary to end fights mm. because he's wrestling yeah and your wrestling is great but you are not damaging your opponent because Gidron was able to stop everything that he tried to do on the ground and and Gidron is not like a great submission guy uh. and was able to stay and then Actually created some problems. Not that he won the round, but created problems for Crutchmer. Crutchmer needs to become much more confident in his stand-up, and he needs to really open up his submission game. I don't care if it's hey, I'm I'm going to go after three different submissions. Then learn those three submissions mm -hmm. and make it so you can hit those submissions. At one point, started in you know hooks up a darce, and then yeah. kind of tilts tilts like he's going to roll. Does it and switches to the back as a wrestler would, mm -hmm. and you go. You just took a fight-ending sequence yeah. and gave it up mm. for what? The back that now you're doing the same thing you just did in previous rounds, mm. and it's he's got to gain more confidence in that submission game. Yeah, first he does, fight. He does first, that. He's got great wrestling. First fight in Bellator. So, like I said, I'm going to give guys passes yep. and slips on Absolutely. their first fight. Maybe a Pressure. little bit into the second fight. Yeah, I think there's a lot. You know, it's like these guys, they want to get to the big show. They get there like, oh, man, I'm fucking finally here. I can't it's, lose. Yeah, it's like the very first time a young kid gets the panties off of a girl. It's like they just don't know what to do with it. It's like, <laughs> shit, I'm here. Where do I go? Damn it. Damn I never it. thought yeah. I'd get there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just one of those things. I think, look, Kyle to me is, though, and same thing with uh, Romero. They're fucking hard workers, man. And That's when good. you when you have guys that are in the in the room and they're hard workers, um, it lets you know that their future could be bright. I'm not saying they're going to be world champions. I'm simply saying that their future could be bright. And yeah. uh, and this is just the experience they need. They need to get the fight IQ up. And and I'm glad they both were able to get away with wins. Chuck Campbell, you you were telling me off air that Chuck uh, he, Campbell he had a rough came go. out, fought a very <laughs> good fight. Chuck's very athletic, very fast when he goes. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't go enough. And yeah. and Bob Cook was, you know, in his corner, and you could hear Bob telling him, you know, you got to go, you got to go. And even with that, you know, Chuck was fighting Tyrell Fortune's brother, Tyree, who was undefeated. But I actually thought, you know, watching the fight, and you know, I'm talking about it, but I thought it was pretty clear that Chuck actually won the first two rounds. And I will tell you this, I was listening to Tyree Fortune's corner during the break between the second and third round, and his coach told him, you have lost two rounds. Wow. I need you to do this. And the judges went with Tyree Fortune in a split decision, and I think they were wrong. 
Wow. I thought Chuck Campbell should have won that fight. I thought he actually did enough. He did lose the third round, but he did enough in the first two. He should have gotten that, but that's what happens. I, you know, when you don't go and produce enough offense like Bob Cook is trying to tell him, I need more out of you, this is what can happen when you don't do it. Yeah, look, if you guys don't know Chuck Campbell, I want to uh he he uh, he has had an ESPN highlight type knockout with the with a knee. Beautiful yeah, knockout. Last fight. Yeah, it was on ESPN. Um I want to say it was in the top 10. Then the other thing too is that he's a guy that just li- literally just walked to the gym one day and was like, "Hey, I kind of want to fight." And we're, he, I want to say he was like in his early, like early 30s, 33, 34 or 30. He looks like Adonis. Yeah, he is phenomenal man like the yeah. guy comes in puts in the work he had like a little bit of limited like wrestling background you know and um the football player at idaho yes yeah and but he he had some wrestling background as well played football but he he owns a gym here in uh in california or here in the bay area and he's always in shape always comes in ready to fight always comes in ready to train you know he helps dc with all of his fights was helping can a little bit with his fights he is very humble, very good guy. He knew he knew that he no no promotion was ever going to try to build him up to be a star. So he said, "Look, I just want to do this because I want to do it. This is a challenge for myself. This is a challenge to me. This is the kind of person you're dealing with. Someone who That's just and, you know, and he's a really good guy and just phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. I'm excited because I think had he started doing this when he was 24, 25, I think we could be looking at a champ. We could be looking at a world champion. Yeah, he's, a, mean, he's athletic, no yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I think just over the confidence and the time, this is something like I said just three or four years ago. He didn't know how to fucking throw a jab. Now all of a sudden he's got you know he's got some wins and he's been on ESPN with highlight reel knockouts. That's impressive to me. Someone who can just come in and just he puts his ego to the side and he's like, look, just teach me as much as you possibly can, and I'll do the best I can. You love guys like that. You absolutely love yeah. guys like that. And uh, yep. those three guys, those three guys, Romero Cotton and Kyle Crutchmer and and uh, Chuck Campbell. I mean. They're phenomenal, man. They're great guys to have in the in the room. Great guys to be around, and just funny, good guys. You know, um, I'd, I'd like to tell, I'll tell you guys a story real quick, just about Romero Cotton. He, I was, he was supposed to be fighting here and coming up, and he came to visit the gym. It was the first time I ever met him, and I'm like, hey man, so when are you fighting? He's like, hey, you know, we just got enrolling. He's like exhausted, laying. He's like basically laying flat on the mat, and I'm like, I was like, hey, so like, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, I got a fight coming up. I'm like, when, when are you fighting? Oh, this weekend. I'm like. <laughs> you're fighting this you're fighting this weekend you're not in very good shape he's like yeah i took the fight on two weeks notice i'm like why <laughs> I, was like, I was like why so but no he he did and he ended up getting the win but it was pretty it was pretty funny he's like yeah man i, I remember I that got, fight i got tired <laughs> he was exhausted in that fight and was working his way out of submission attempts yeah. because he was tired he was the yeah. better athlete by far but the guy was a pretty good submission and threw up a lot of submissions and yeah. you know he pounded on him but he got tired, pounded on him, and he was just trying to get it get away so at times. Funny. But hey, uh, but, but that those group those guys those group of guys, man, they're phenomenal guys. And uh, hey, tip my head to you guys. You know, uh, Chuck, I know you didn't come out with the win, but you should have. Big John even said you should have. So hey, he should have. Uh, best of luck, guys. Um, yeah, so that'll wrap us up on the uh, Bellator fights from Thackerville this last weekend, uh, last night. And uh, last night, yep. And I want to thank you guys for for uh, for watching this. Okay, guys. Later. <laughs>